O the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God, how incomprehensible are his judgment and how unsearchable his ways. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear sisters, dear faithful, these words of St. Paul as he writes to the Romans reflect his contemplation on the great mystery of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that unity um, in three persons. It reminds us also of another manifestation of the Trinity and another saint that was called into the service of God. But many centuries earlier than St. Paul, Perhaps one of the most impressive passages in the Old Testament is the very sensational vocation of Isaiah, the prophet. In chapter 6, Isaiah is there, he is in the temple, and the temple starts to shake as the seraphim scream one to another, Sanctus, 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 Holy, 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 is the Lord God of hosts. And Isaiah, he witnesses this, and what manner of, 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 of this manifestation of God is this, and he says almost, woe to me, I am a man with unclean lips, and I am set in a nation with a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. And the seraphim comes, and he takes the tongs, and he takes the fiery coal, and he purifies the lips of Isaiah. And it was only after that that Isaiah hears the words, almost like a discussion within the Trinity itself. Whom shall we send? Who whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And Isaiah, in that great moment without hesitation, realizing his own um, misery, realizing his own weakness, he speaks up and he says, here I am, Lord, uh, send me. And so you have this reflection of the Holy Trinity, how unsearchable the Holy Trinity's ways, how unsearchable God's ways, and yet here you have these very weak creatures St. Paul, who glories in his weakness, and then you have Isaiah, the one with the unclean lips, who will be one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. So now, how about a third comparison, that is to say, of the Holy Trinity and with another individual? And that individual is going to be myself. Because the Trinity doesn't change, God doesn't change, and he still calls us into his service. So how is that going to be very practical? How is that going to touch our hearts in a very special way? And we're going to ask the, the Holy Ghost to, to really set us on fire with his love, and also that we may discover our vocation and, and our mission in life um, that God wants us to, to respond to. Just like Isaiah the prophet, and just like St. Paul, how am I going to find that practical application in this day and age and in my life? Maybe let's start at the beginning and just reflect a little bit because we know how um, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, how incomprehensible is judgments. But let's try to put something in perspective to give us an idea of what God is or who God is. First, we see that God is immense. How, how can we, in this tiny little um, organ that we call a brain, how are we supposed to understand God? 
How are we supposed to understand he who is, who is without limits? So what we do is we kind of take these small things and that are very finite, that are very, um, very limited, and we try to put them together to give us a concept of, of how big God is. Let's take the example of our own soul. So our, the soul, the human soul, your soul, my soul, it gives life to the body. And it doesn't just exist in the heart. Because the soul exists in, in every part of the body. You can take the smallest part of, of, of your finger and all your entire soul is there. Because the soul is immaterial and does not admit to being cut up into parts. We can't separate it. The body you can, as we see in the life of the martyrs. Okay, but not the soul. So then if we try to think of all of creation, the things, the material world that we see, the material world that we don't know about, the material world that has yet been discovered in the depths of the sea, in the firmament of the heavens, and then the supernatural world of the angels, of thoughts, of desires in every human heart, that is all encompassing um, or that all is encompassed by the existence of God. God is immense. He is huge. And yet here in the, um, in the life, or which is life itself, of the Holy Trinity, there is, we can say, a certain discussion among them. And we have to put in human terms. We see that with Isaiah. Whom will I send? Who shall go for us? In one of the meditations in the exercises of St. Ignatius, he proposes that, the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity looks down upon creation of fallen mankind, and he sees their misery. He sees their ignorance, even though they think that they are clever. He sees that they are fighting once among another, that they are sick, that they are, they are killing each other, and they are warring against each other. They are destroying themselves and throwing them into not only a physical death, but an eternal death. And it's that great decree of mercy that the Son is going to be sent into the world to take on man's flesh, to take on our flesh, to take on our nature, to become like to us in all things except sin. He will deliver himself up to his enemies, shed his blood, and, and redeem us. That is the love of, the, whole, of, of the, the Blessed Trinity. That is the great love of the Blessed Trinity. So God in all of his creation, he creates two principal uh, creatures, the angels and man. And we don't have time to develop this, but if you could just think that our vocations are, are very close to the angels in a way because we, like the angels, were created as creatures of adoration. So God is immense. He does not need us for his happiness. He is all perfect. He is all happy in himself. And out of the goodness of his, of, of, of himself, he creates all of creation. And these two principal creatures, the angels and man, we are set to be before him bowing in adoration for every moment throughout eternity. That's who we are. And yet we sin and God, he redeems us, and we see the humility of God in all of his immensity. God the Son becomes man in the womb, in the pure womb of Our Lady. 
He takes on our nature. He is subject to suffering. He is subject to betrayal. This is the humility of God. Now, in the resurrect, in the, the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, in our redemption, we realize that we have been rescued from death, eternal death, and from sin. But oftentimes, this is where we stop. Yes, that is enough to be eternally grateful, but that wasn't enough for God's, God's, God's goodness and his, and, his, um, and his charity and his love for us. We have to remember that through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been sanctified. St. Paul will use that terms. He says, he speaks of the saints, that is to say, his faithful. He addresses them in his letters. He speaks to them. He says, you are saints. Okay, we don't mean canonized saints. We mean saints in the broad sense that you have been baptized in um, to the mystical body of Christ. You've been sanctified through the blood of Christ, through the coming of the Holy Ghost, that you are saints. And it is for that reason that St. Paul exhorts all of his faithful that they ought to walk worthy of the vocation in which they were called. It means that you have been called into salvation. You have been given a light. You have been made into the likeness of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is both man and God. Now walk worthy of that vocation. It is fatal, absolutely fatal for us to think that in this world, in this life, that we have to sort of kind of hold on to the best that we can of the faith and we see the challenges in the world and in the church and all around us. And there is sort of, through our pride, there is a sort of very subtle judgment that's, that's, that's very negative, that we are in a horrible world, we are in a horrible time in the history of the church, we just sort of have to hang on the best that we can, and, you know, we slip and fall here and there, but that's okay because, you know, it's really bad. And so we, we just want to hold on to this as, as long as we can, and then when God calls us to himself, you know, we, we hope that we have the last sacraments and we can sort of roll into heaven. What a horrible, horrible way to th of thinking. This is a fatal way of thinking. We have to think in the way of Isaiah the prophet, here I am, Lord, send me. We have to think in the way of, of St. Paul, who glories in his infirmities. Okay? We have to, we have to, what, what is that wisdom that, that he is talking about? It's the wisdom and it's the science of the saints. So now we have to say, God could have placed me in any other century, but he placed me here now. And he knows what's going on in the world, and he knows the conspiracies, and he knows all the, all the, the challenges. He sees the, the, the crisis that exists in the church, and yet he willed, as part of that solution, for the building up of his kingdom, he willed for you and for me to be here. And he wants us also to have that really positive um, understanding of the faith, that we have received a light with the faith. We have received a light and the gift of the church. We have received the, the, the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And God is going to ask us, what did we do with it? Because there are many, many souls that we were supposed to have in our life given that same gift. What have we done with it? 
we maintained this fatalistic attitude that we just have to sort of get through life in these horrible times and just wait till finally God comes and puts a stop to all this nonsense. That's nonsense. That's, that's, not, the, that's not the attitude of a saint. So the attitude of a saint is, I am here right in the middle of this nonsense, and all God is looking for is for somebody to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I don't have any um, great, great talents, maybe. I don't have any uh, uh, great accomplishments in my life. The only accomplishment I have really that I can boast of that's, that really belongs to me is my sins and, and my weakness and my cowardice. But I know that, that you are God and you're just looking for an instrument, so here I am, send me. And this was the attitude of St. Isaiah, is Isaiah the prophet. This was the attitude of St. Paul. And so finally, when that instrument of God, when that individual who has been placed in this time in history, in human history, in the history of the church, recognizes through a spirit of humility that they are instruments of God and that their shortcomings, their sins, their defects are not obstacles for God to work in the life of the church and in the life um, of the world. So we empty ourselves out and we see, what do you want of me? And it's only going to be through a life of humility, a life of humility which opens the heart, okay? And when the angels, they see the heart opening, they run to Our Lady and say, I found another one. There's not many around, but he's humbling himself. She's humbling himself. And we can give him so much. We can do so much because it's going to be the work of God through that individual. But when we are proud, when we judge others of not being as good or not having the tradition or criticizing for this or criticizing them for that or kicking them when they're down or one we, when we are uh, spreading rumors about our neighbor, okay, this is, this is a lie. It's a lie because we kneel down and we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and we live this life that is completely separate. It is a life that, that, that we live before God, and then there's a life that, that we sort of live on our own. And we make excuses in all of our, our sins. We make excuses with, with the way the world is, the way the church is, to excuse us of this is the way we, we work. So children, adults, and, and the elderly. Now, coming down to, to a more practical application, the children, with the help of parents and the, the older brothers and sisters, or aunts and uncles, we must be very cognizant of the example that we give to the young ones. The, the, the very young souls, and the smaller they are, they can come to understand the value of the cross, the value of, of, of persecution, the value of suffering, the value of life that's not always comfortable. And so they, they need to understand that and know that in a very, a very big way, they can work for the salvation of souls. They can spread the faith by a, an attitude of prompt obedience. They can spread the faith by having the spirit of example of seeing somebody suffering on the streets, and yet they remember it in their prayers, a Hail Mary. That's how apostles are born and called into the service of God. And the others, 
So the adults, we sanctify the very, very, very small things. Okay? In, in, your, in going to work. Think of St. Joseph going to work, sanctifying um, the, the manual labor. Think about all the people that you're going to work. I am going to be witnessing our Lord Jesus Christ in my prayer and in my work and how I speak. Am I doing that? Men of the Holy Name Society, I think you're the Holy Name Society. Um, do, do we do that? We make a pledge. I mean, that, that's before our Lord Jesus Christ, present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Are we trying to criticize every politician that comes to mind, running down his authority? How is our speech? Are we giving a good example? Okay, this is how we sanctify um, uh, the world. This is how we sanctify the church. This is how we become saints and, and build up the church in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ instead of complaining about it. And the elderly, the elderly, as long as there is a heartbeat, you're still there to, to help us, to sanctify us, to give glory to God. You must never think that my time is over, my prime is, is, is done, now I just have to um, try to get through life for as, as long as I can, suffering these inconveniences of health. Do not be overcome with regret. Give all of the past to our Lord Jesus Christ because he is a redeemer and a sanctifier. And turn now to offer every moment of your life. You have more time to pray rosaries. Shut off the television. We only have a little bit of time left. Maybe not even a year left in our life. Shut off the television. Open up sacred scriptures. Open up your catechism. Sanctify the world as best you can while you're here on this earth. So let's look at this in a very positive way, and let's say to um, let's say to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, "Here I am. Send me." And let us turn to Our Lady. She is the the perfect adorer of the Blessed Trinity. So imagine you have God creating all of creation, and then at the end they they save the best for the end. Let's say, and the Father says, "Well, I want to create um, the perfect daughter." And the Son says, well, I want to create the perfect mother for me. And the Holy Ghost saying, well, I want the perfect spouse. And there you have Our Lady, this great mystery of, of Our Lady. And she is there as our greatest advocate, and she is there as the perfect adorer of the Trinity. So let us ask her in a special way today, maybe during your Mass, during your Holy Communion, to ask her to, to, to take your send me, your willingness to, to be part of, of the building up of, of our Lord's Church in this time, let's ask her to present it to the Holy Trinity today at Mass. And let us go with great confidence, knowing our weakness, knowing our failures, but having great confidence in the, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.